Hello and welcome to the Creating Hope Together podcast. My name is Peter Youngren. You know, this podcast is designed uh, for anyone who battles every day against mental injury and mental health. You know, in a mental injury, for many of us, um, we've lived with them for our entire lives. You know, and, and what this is kind of designed to do, it's like the podcast is about a journey through the abyss of mental health, mental injury, and our focus is to talk about things like our childhood trauma, adult trauma, addictions, depression, uh, PTSD, things like that, and just give some insights into um, those kind of issues. And I believe the value of, of one sufferer helping another sufferer is just unmatched in our journey forward. Um, and remember, the first step, uh, whether it be large or small, it's the most important step. And we take those, you know, many times and we don't even know we took it. So some of this is going to be about understanding that, wow, you know what? I did something today and I didn't realize it, but it was a forward moving step. And how it works is, you know, we really use basically it's going to be like talk therapy uh, through individual participants and guest interviews. And the goal is to find the joy in the pain together. Uh, you know, today the message is going uh, to be about, you know, it's never too late or never too early to start your journey. Um, and I have a special guest today. Uh, when I told her about what I was doing on this podcast, and uh, we'll get into that relationship a little bit deeper for sure on the podcast. Uh, she immediately asked, Hey, I'm coming on that podcast and I want to share my journey. And, uh, I was like, let's do it. Um, so without further ado, as they say, I'm going to bring on, uh, Becky to the podcast. So welcome Becky. How are you? I'm doing good. <laughs> doing I'm doing good. Okay. Doing okay. That's awesome. You're love okay. to hear it. I love the uh, verbiage. Okay. Yes. Um, you know, the, uh, let's do this. I'm going to ask you, you know, what? Yes. tell me a little bit about you and your background, or actually our listeners, tell them a little bit about you, a little bit about your background. Um, well, you know, a lot like yours, uh, to be short, but sweet. Um, we both grew up with uh, no father, um, alcoholic, dysfunctional mother, um, you know, and uh, I just, I went through high school. I went through high school. And, uh, you know, I knew early on that, like, my goal in life was just to be, like, um, a mother. That's all I wanted. I wanted to be a great mother. And, uh, you know, I just, I've worked menial jobs my whole life and, uh, 
I've been married for 42 years right now. Wow. Um, and, you know, so, you know, but I think a lot of times you put some of this stuff on the back burner, you know, of, you know, because what you do, and I see this, and what I do, and have done, and continue to do, is, you know, we give to everything. You know, but we don't give to ourselves. You know, so it's it's really not exciting. I mean, it's just pretty boring. You know, just being a person and contributing to society and mm-hmm. trying to be like a good person. And my main thing is just to like give love. Right. You know? And I always, you know, I started to call that, uh, you know, years ago. You know, just you know, embrace the grind um, because that's where right. the the beauty of life is. Is is really in that in those moments where you're, you know, of service to family, friends, people, um, you know, it's never always about, Oh my gosh, this big thing happened. And my, you know, and uh, cause those, they're just fleeting and they just come by so fast and then they're gone. Um, right. And I think, I mean, I think for me, like what I do now if I would have had like the education, hey, you know, know what? We'll we'll get I, we'll get there. So much more. We'll get into that. Actually, I really okay. want to talk about that. But let's do. Yeah. Let's go here. You said, um, and if anybody hasn't guessed, it was kind of a slight mention there. Um, this is my <laughs> sister. This is my sister Becky, and um. We, uh, yeah, and we grew up together. We went through this uh, process together. So I want to ask you, um, what was your, like, your earliest memories? Okay, I think, I know. My earliest memory was um, probably four and you're gonna make me cry uh anyway so i was four and i believe like mom took all of us to like northeast minneapolis and dad drove up in a car and i remember running out of the house and begging him to take me and I remember that that house had these pine trees that weren't pine trees, but they had these like needle, like really weird needle things that you, right. Um, and uh, I said, please take me with you. And he pushed me away and he said, no. And then mom took me and she said, um, help me do laundry. Hmm. Okay, so she took me in uh, wherever we were, and, you know, uh, she had me do laundry. And that's probably my very earliest memory. So were you living over there in Northeast, or where were you? You know, I mean, I think we lived so many places. You know, you went from, you know, I know we lived Northeast. I know we lived in that apartment. Remember that a fourplex apartment? You know, over you northeast. Know, you were a baby. On Peter's place. 
Peter's place. Yes, that's the fourplex. Okay, but before that, we lived in this other place and then went to Peter's place. Um, and so, yeah, um, that's my very earliest memory is just pretty much, you know, sobbing for my father. Gotcha. <laughs> you know, yeah. And then, so there is, um, which I kind of know too, you know, within my story, which I have yet to tell uh, here, the, uh, so that's your first experience with kind of being pushed away and kind of uh, from him, the, you know, abandoned, really. Right. Yeah. Um, so then there was four of us, right? What's the the chronology there, the age or the place well, where you all, fit in there? Well, we're all two years apart. You know, so Ronnie, I'll, I'll be 62. You'll be 60. Kim, 64. And so Ronnie turns 65. You know, so we're all two years apart in that chronology. You know, but... I don't want to like jump ahead, but I see so many things where, you know, um, families like ours survive as a group, like the older ones take care of the younger ones, you know, and, you know, we didn't do that. You know, I don't, I don't know why I was still questioning, um, how, but anyway, so we survived as individuals. You know, Ronnie didn't take care of Kim. Kim didn't take care of me. And you know what? I didn't take care of you. You know, so in that trauma as victims, because we were victims. Okay. Okay, So we just had a little minor technical difficulty there. So um, you were saying about, you know, how the four of us, uh, we're to, you know, we're together. And then, so go ahead and kind of explain that. So, yes. Yeah, so all of us are two years apart, you know, like, uh, Peter's the baby, uh, at si soon to be 60. Um, uh, I'm 62. My sister's 64. My brother's two years older. Um, but you know, I, I see and hear things about how people, the older kids or group in dysfunction and abuse survive as a core, you know, and I don't, I still don't have the answer to that question. I don't know. Um, but you know, we, each of us survived as individuals, you know, so my brother Ronnie didn't take care of my sister, Kim, my sister, Kim didn't take care of me. And in return, I didn't take care of the baby of the family. You know, I mean, I just, I didn't know how. Um, and so I just, I don't have an answer at 62 as to, like, why I couldn't take care of somebody younger and more vulnerable. Maybe because somebody older didn't, and I was vulnerable, didn't give that to me. You know, so... Um, I still feel extremely guilty with my little brother uh, because he was, you know, we all remember different things for our ages, but um, 
I still feel really guilty at my age that I didn't protect him um, and nurture him. So, you know, it's like, I still feel sad about that. I feel guilty. I got you for um, two things there. One, um, that's a heck of a burden to carry for 60, you know, 60 years. Cause I was two years old, you know, when you were four, um, that's a heck of a, heck of a burden to always, you know, be carrying, particularly when, uh, we had a mother who didn't have any parenting tools to give to us where we could, uh, transfer those to not even our own sibling that was right there, but to really to anyone. So, no, I know, you know, I know, you know, and I think, you know, somehow I, in my heart, you know, I know she did like a lot of horrible things, but in order for us to be, to know that like when we had children, you know, there had to be love somewhere because we didn't get it from dad. You know, so maybe mom going and getting Chinese food. Remember that? Yep. You know, the yeah. little things. Yeah. Little things. You know, the going, walking down on West Broadway. You know, that somehow we felt, we didn't feel hate. You know, we felt love. You know, and I just, I truly believe that, you know, we had to get that from somewhere, like some kindness that she gave us in order for you to be the absolutely amazing father you are and the grandfather you are. And for me to do that too. It doesn't mean that like we're still not going through our shit because we do. Right. You know, but the number one thing is the love. And where did that come from? Right. Not the nuns at Ascension. <laughs> Not the nuns at Ascension. That's for sure. Um, no. So back to, um, because for me, that th this is what I'm working on currently. And back to that, that period, that early period, say, for me, between, <clears throat> um, you know, my first memory is when I lit the uh, mattress on fire <laughs> and the, and say, okay, then, so that period between there and 14 years old, um, that was really those formative years. Right. Um, for you, you know, when did you realize, you know, that you were, you know, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't say when did you realize you were different but when did you realize you were living a different life than the other kids around and people that you knew in the neighborhood? You know, I just, I don't think I, I ever, I mean, we were so, I, I, I never realized it. I never, never really did until I was probably, until I had kids. Really, in my late twenties, where you know I was like, okay, this social thing with like a 
you know, neighbor wanting to have barbecues or whatever. You know, I've, I've always been like very antisocial, but I, I never knew that I was because I love books. I love reading. Um, you know, I didn't, I don't really realize any of this uh, until the older I get. Yeah. You know, like for me, um, I haven't been to the dentist in like 10 years. <laughs> You know, and I know because remember Uncle Nils? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and mom, you know, bless her heart. Uh, she had like people, I remember her having people come into the house in Irving. You know, and I don't mind the drills. I don't mind the Novocaine, but um, I can't have fingers in my mouth. I really can't, you know, and I have like four broken teeth and, you know, so like I said, you know, I just, I, when that's the norm, you don't know that at all until you, like I said, you have children and grandchildren, Yeah. you know, and then, you know, they're asking to go to parties or have, we've never had a birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever remember having a birthday party? I remember I had one because I saw Friends? it in pictures. I have some pictures showing it. I think I was about 10 or um, maybe eight or, I don't know. I still had the Ascension uh, uniform shirt on. So I knew maybe, you know, right around first grade, first or second grade. No, I I didn't know. So what, what was your relationship with mom? I mean, right from the earliest you can remember through, you know, teenage years? Well, you know, for me, I think, okay, not that I think, I know that mom, she categorized us, okay? And Ronnie wasn't there, and so she made him the responsible one, and she made me, like, the weak one. And to be honest, like, I don't know what she made you, okay? Okay. Uh, I slept with mom till I was like 13 in that little room on Colfax, you know? Um, and she was like, Becky's like so sensitive, you know, she'll be the one to bring like the bird home and like save it. And yes, I did do that, Yeah. you know, but she, kind of, she cultivated that. Um, and, you know, so I remember early on very bittersweet memories you know, because she could be like very sweet and snuggle me. And then she'd go on her binges and play like Neil Diamond's Rose Rose Wine um, stuff. Um, so, and be very like verbally abusive. Um, when I was around that age, um, I never told you this, but uh, she killed a kitten. Do you remember that? Nope. And she, uh, so we're eating chicken and this little kitten climbs up and she threw it against the ball and then it was laying there and then she called me a cab. <laughs> you know, I had to be like 12 and I went to the vet and then they checked it out and then it, it died on the way back in the cab on the way back. You know, so there's that. Um, and then there's the other thing with, you know, uh, I loved Gone I love Gone with the Wind. You know, so when I was probably 12, Camden Theater. Yeah. Remember that? 
uh, for our movie. Uh, she called me cab. I went down there by myself and I watched it by myself, you know, but she did that, you know, so it's very conflicting. Um, in the later years when I had children, I wanted to bring them to see her. Um, but most of the time, uh, she was drunk. And so, you know, in my twenties, I was just like, I'm not, I'm not going up there. You know, I just, I can't do it. Um, and then I just, you know, my children's hockey games, graduations, parties, like she never came. I invited her to everything for like 20 years and she never came to anything. Um, when I had staff and she was working at the hospital, um, she was supposed to be there the next day and she called in sick for three weeks. You know, so anyway, so it was just a progression of me being like, and I didn't do this until it was probably in my forties um, that, you know, I can't cry anymore. You know, I can't, I can't want and need something because it's hurting myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. And so I, at that time, to be honest, um, she died to me. You know, mom was gone and buried and I grieved that a long time before she passed away because for my mental, not only my mental, physical, emotional health, that one toxic person that should be, and you want so much that love, you know, a mother's love, you know, um, that you have to recognize that that person is not going to give it to you they're toxic and they're hurting you so you have to let them go and that's what i did yeah so that so there was your you know second parent basically at some point there just kind of abandoned you um a little later in your in your life or was it sooner than that no i mean i you know, when you're young and you want and you love, you know, I mean, they, here's what's insidious about somebody else's disease, okay? Yeah. Is that they give you kindness and they give you love, okay? And then they have their moments of darkness. But when you're a child or a teen or even like early in your 20s, you know, you don't recognize that darkness because, like I said, they give you love, you know, and then they take it back. You know, and then their darkness comes and then they pull it back, you know. And then when they're in their darkness, they lash out at you. And then you look at, like, what's wrong with me? Cause could I be a better daughter? Could I give you more? Like, could I love you more? Like, what am I doing wrong? You know, so, you know, you don't, you don't recognize, but it's a very insidious, you know, it's almost like um, sexual abuse, but it's mental abuse. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So you don't recognize that. And some people don't because they continue to do it. Yeah. You know, but 
I didn't recognize that because I wanted her love. I wanted to be a grandmother. I wanted to share, you know, so no, I mean, I just, I didn't know it because how would I know it? I didn't know anything else. Right. And you didn't either. Right. So the, what do you understand or what have you lived with? What was the biggest trauma that you can place really at her feet? I mean, I know security was, was a big issue for all of us, you know, um, because we just never knew, you know, what was going to happen from one day to the next. Right. And um, so, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot of like small, like the kitten thing was a big trauma. Um, but uh, do you remember when we were at Dila Cell uh, watching the bas- basketball game? Yep. And mom called us and said that there were people in the house that were going to kill her. You probably don't even remember this. So I had to be a sophomore. And, uh, you know, we didn't have a car. And she's like whispering into the phone, you know, and I have you with me. So I'm like panicking to like get to the Colfax house. Yeah. Not expecting what to find. Um, and of course we walk in and she's like with Barb, you know, and laugh thing and whatever. That's that one. But the other one is, um, do you remember in Colfax when the front door was open and we didn't have a phone or water because it was turned off and there was somebody like walking by the front door. Yeah, I remember that. Okay. And so, you know, I'm kind of like, somebody's out there. And of course, you being a hero, you jump out and you're like, get the fuck out of here. And you like slammed the front door and locked it. And then I went to the kitchen and that creepy person was like walking up and down between the yards. Yeah. But we had, we had no phone. We had no phone, we had no water, you know, and uh, I just felt terrified, you know, I mean, yeah, so I don't, I don't remember, to be honest, I honestly don't remember anything from probably first grade to sixth grade. Gotcha. Right. So I just don't, I don't know what school I went to. Um, I don't remember anything at all so you really have whatever they call it now repressed memory or blocked it out or yeah. um i have yeah, I mean, my stuff's very similar to yep and but i don't i remember like kindergarten and ascension and maybe first grade but anything i don't remember that whole four years span at all gotcha so do you recall then still kind of in that early period, uh, you know, some coping things that you tried to, do you remember any of these, like, well, I, I can go isolate or I can, any coping mechanisms or any kind of things that you did, or you, maybe you realized it later as an adult, uh, some of the things that you did to do some self-protection. You know, I think everybody has to fight the passion. You know, I don't care how young you are. I mean, it could be drawing, music, um, books. 
you know, I was a big book person, you know, so my coping was to uh, climb the maple tree on Colfax, get on the garage, and I would read ferociously. You know, or our bedroom, being Kim's bedroom, had a window, and I would sit on the roof. You know, and I would read. You know, reading just transported me. Um, because here's the deal with what we go through. Um, still, especially when you want to sleep and you're so tired. You know, and the mind, our mind just races. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, you know, but if you can transport yourself with like a book or a movie, if you love movies, go for it. Turn the TV on, you know, because then you're not in that place. And I think it's really important to take yourself out of that place. Right. You know, if it's, it's very rare. It was very rare for us to ever, you know, on purpose do things together because you had talked about how separate you know we're all living these separate different experiences and um never rallied around each other and kind of had hey you know it's gonna be okay or you know because it was always so disconnected between the four of us yeah and almost sitting there waiting for the next i remember you know waiting for the next terror to come or the next Person, you know, stranger in the house, or um, I was always waiting. And so you're right, the mind, you know, just right. my, still even to this day, it's really hard to hard to shut it off. Yeah. Well, you know, and since you're saying that, when I think because I'm so uh, particular with like getting stuff for like my grandchildren, but I remember um, at McKinley. I was in gymnastics and we were doing a show and there was four of us and uh, we had to have white tennis shoes with our leotards. Okay. And I talked to mom about it like weeks and weeks before. And uh, of course the day comes and I have no like tennis shoes. And so she ran down to, Oh my God, you nor Lowry was. They had the grocery store on Lowry. Yep. And then the pharmacy. So mom comes home with light blue tennis shoes in my size. And of course I had to go, but I was the only one that didn't have like white tennis shoes. And that whole time I just felt so awful. And I cried through the whole thing because I was so embarrassed, you know, but I didn't have like white tennis shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. You know, cause she forgot to get me like white tennis shoes. So, you know, I'm 10, I can't go buy them myself. Right. You know? But yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of those, you know, it, it's funny how, you know, some trauma can be, you know, monster big, but it's like these little mental things that just kind of crush your soul. And it's just layer upon layer upon layer upon layer of stuff when your, you know, your foundation is already weak, you know, and you just have all these, all this, you know, she wasn't home a lot because she, 
you know, we had to work and had to go and try to get us, you know, get food. And we were always, I remember, you know, food insecurity was always there. Oh that, that's what they call yes. it now. <laughs> you we know. were always hungry. Do you remember sugar sandwiches? Oh, I was just going to mention it. Yep. Oh, Weird. my God. Yeah. You know, and I still cook, like, when I make, like, a, a casserole. Yeah. I mean, I make enough for, like, eight people. Yeah. Even though there's two of us. Yeah. And I wind up throwing it out because you're right. Or our butter roll bakery donuts. Yep. That yep. were really old. We had those, too. Do you remember any, I remember the, you know, half-eaten hamburgers from Skip's Barbecue and... Yes. I mean, she'd bring customers leftover stuff home. I mean, she, you know, she was trying to, you know, to do her best, but we just never knew, you know, from one moment we really babies. to the next. Or mayonnaise. How about mayonnaise sandwiches? Yep, mayonnaise sandwiches. Yeah. Oh. And I remember that. Day. It took me years yeah. and years to be able to uh, use... Um, cream of mushroom soup in anything <laughs> oh my god i don't know if you remember this but somebody we were talking about the holidays and i always remember how like i felt like it was like a gourmet mom mom would get the um the uh the canned fruit that had the grapes and cherries in it yeah yeah you know and then she would put uh whipped cream in there yep oh Full yeah whip. yeah and the, we, didn't, we only had that like once a year. Maybe, we only had maybe at Thanksgiving a couple times. A little fruit salad. But I thought, oh my God. You know, but seriously, I cannot stand. Now if I would try to make that, uh, yeah. yeah. There's certain things I just, I can't make from that time. So to your knowledge, um, you know, with mom, uh, you know, with her alcohol abuse um, and who knows, you know, what else abuse, do you know of her, um, if her drinking, or I knew she used to do, you know, those diet pills, those mother's little helpers and stuff. Speed. Yes. Do you think, um, well, I know she was using them when I was, you know, inside of her, you know, when I was. And she did that with me too. Okay. So do yes. you think. So I do, I do know that. And that's an admitted you know, and that's what the doctors did. They're like, you have two other kids. You need to kind of keep going. So Dr. Freeberg. Yep. Yep. He gave her uh, diphenhydramine, I believe. What was that? Diphenhydramine, which basically is like the white cross. Yeah. And mom would take that. Yes. Do you think that it affected your brain? Okay. You know, I, I don't know, maybe because, um, I really don't, you know, maybe, uh, uh I, I'm going to go half and half because I've never really tried to explore like myself outside of what I've made myself to be, gotcha. you know what I mean? Gotcha. You know, so I never wanted to, I mean, I think that, if I wouldn't gone just, I mean, to be honest, right now, I do not know my multiplication tables. Yeah, me either. 
You know, I don't, I mean, I, I read great. My vocabulary is great, Mine but too. math, I just, you know, and I think, you know, if I would have maybe had a stable school, but there's some part of me that I can't comprehend like that part. Yep. So maybe that's it. Um, but, you know, I just, I did not, I knew early on, uh, I did not, and I do not want to be a victim. Okay. And I think when I was younger, it was really easy for me to blame mom and dad for like what I felt was like my failures, whether it's big or small doesn't matter in my life you know emotionally physically whatever you know but there comes a point that I am I'm the one in control okay you do not have control over me anymore and I know we talked about this before but I'm never going to be whatever you call whole whatever you call happy, healthy, you know, I believe I have a heart and that's the loving, giving side of me. Then I have a soul and your soul makes you the person that you are, but that part of my, there's a certain part of my soul that's black. It's probably a fourth right now, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's okay. That's okay because I spent so many years decrying the fact that why can't I get out of bed this morning? I have a great job. I have a great husband. I have great kids, but I can't leave the house. You know, so then I would call in sick and then I would feel guilty. Okay. So you were talking about your heart and your soul. And, um, we did talk about that the other day. And, um, so go ahead and tell me what you were thinking about your soul. Well, you know, I was talking about like how our heart is like the love, um, and what we give. And then our soul is what makes us really a person. The soul does feed our heart. Um, but I truly believe that um, the soul is a whole, but for what all of us went through, that there's a fourth part of my soul that is like black and dead. And I fought that for many, many years. You know, I wasn't okay with, you know, why can't I get up? I actually not get up, but I knew the night before that I can't leave the house today. And like, why can't I? You know, I have a husband, my children, my grandchildren, um, but, you know, I couldn't do it. And then I didn't do it. And then I would beat myself up for the whole rest of the week. Like you're awful. You're psycho. Like what's wrong with you? You know, but I'm older now 
And I, I embrace that because we can't go through what we went through. We're not victims. We're all strong people. I want to say that. Okay. We have the power to control our life, which we have done. But it's okay to take that one or two days, you know? Yeah. And not feel bad about it. Yeah. Because we don't know when it's going to come. You know, it's not going to be like, no, oh, it's, know when it's gonna come. luckily it's Saturday and Sunday or whatever. We just no. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it never happens that way. You know, it's like a Wednesday, Thursday, you know, but I've accepted that. You know what? I don't, I don't give a shit, you know, because I need this. And yeah. if this is the one thing I need, I don't ask for like diamonds and cars and yeah. whatever. So I just want everybody out there, you know, it's called self-love. And I think being victims because, you know, me and Peter do have PTSD. Absolutely fucking true. There yeah. was no resources. There was no caring. Um, there was no food. You know, and we survived. Yeah. You know, we did it. You know, so if I'm going to take a day at 62 still, because I want to embrace that it's okay that I'm damaged. Like what's wrong with being damaged to yep. a certain degree? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I am damaged and you're damaged and the people listening are damaged. Yeah. Okay. But that damage can empower you. Yeah. You know, don't let the damage control you. Yeah. You so know, turn it of what you want yeah turn that into you know an asset or a way to say hey this is a thing that i have so i've taken responsibility for having it and now i can you know put it out there in the universe and say hey if there's somebody i see or somebody i've talked to or somebody i know or somebody that i don't know you know, create a podcast or a Twitter thing or something and say, hey, um, you're not alone because you can share your uh, your trauma um, and help others. You can share your, you know, things that you went through to help others, to let them know. Because the first thing our thing says, or my thing for sure, it says you're battling this thing on your own. You're alone. No. And you're not. No, you're not. Never alone. You're not alone. Nope. So with these things, how, you know, with with what went on there, I remember, remember having to, you had to take me with you after school to cheerleading practice at St. Bridget's. <laughs> And, you know, everywhere we went, we walked. I mean, there's, you know, what, three miles, oh God. two yes. miles walk home in the winter. And, um, yes. and that must that have been. That was like a half mile away, dude. Huh? That was like a half mile away. 
St. Burchett's? Yeah, St. Burchett's was about a half a mile. But then you'd have to walk over to where the girls' house was for the the cheerleading practice thing. And, <laughs> oh, and I'd have to sit there and go, oh, my God. Yeah, that I remember. That wasn't traumatic. I mean, it was just one of those things where, you know, that went to show that, you know, you were – had you were taking care of me you were helping me so um now as you took responsibility for that how did that change the way your interpersonal relationships went you know family and um you know just people in general you mean like how we grew up with like my inner core yeah like I, have, I have an inner core um, so I'm very, secular, you know, I mean, I have no friends. Yeah. You know, I don't have, I have like Steph, Joe, Bobby, and my grandchildren, and then me, you know, so I don't. I, I really find it extremely hard to uh, I be uh, like, oh, me and my friends are going, 10 friends are going to, blah. You know, I don't want that because I don't like people, <laughs> to be honest. You yeah. know, I mean, I have so many people that I come in contact with being a general manager and everybody's like, yes. No, and and I find that the employees that I try to incorporate, they're not loyal. You know, they'll uh, they borrow money from me. They, you know, I, I work their hours for like whatever. So no, um, you know, but I, I like it. You know, I like being alone. You know, I just I don't need. Friends, because what are friends, really? You know, people, false people that want something from you, you know, and I just, I don't have anything to give, you know? So, um, I, I, I like it that it's kind of like, um, I'm alone, but I'm not lonely. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know what I mean? And that's okay. I'm not, you know social you know I have my books I have like my dog and my husband you know I don't want I, I'm over false people I, I just don't have, I don't have the patience for their drama yep you know I mean like I had friends say my boyfriend hit me like eight times or somebody sold money for me like blah you know and I'm like, you know, shit, or get up the pot. Yeah. No, I can't be that person. I'm sorry. Gotcha. But you've built your life, a lot of your life around your grandkids and your daughter and um, son and really try to be, you know, an integral part of their life, you know, and really given something that, you know, was never given to you. How do you do that? Well, I don't know. 
like you said, you know, mom would come and get like Nankin Chinese food. Mm-hmm. And then I always loved um, that chocolate kisses. wasn't Walgreens, but remember those chocolate kisses? No. Oh. Not really. Yeah. So how did you, you know, what? how do you uh, be such a great grandma and a, and a great parent? I mean, did you? Well, I'm not great. I'm phenomenal. Oh, Thank whoops. You. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oops. That I knew. How? You know, I mean, how, how did you do it? That's my question. I'm asking you the question. Well, I'm interviewing you, you so. Yeah, you did. Come on. No, we're asking how you did it. No, no, no. Because your answer is probably my answer. Well. You know, come on. It's really about um i'm just knowing that um i wasn't going to i was going to break the cycle okay but but how did you and me know that you know i that's the question you know like how did we not fall into you know i don't have an answer to that you know and i i really my answer is there was maybe sprinkles of love you know like somehow there had to be something there for us well by by her to give us that you know, and I hate her, but I'm just saying, you know, I, Ronnie didn't give it to Kim, Kim didn't give it to me, I didn't give it to you, but there was something there in all her faults yeah. that there was love. And I, I, I think for me that I just, I didn't want you know, my kids to feel the way that I felt, um, even though she was there sometimes and doing things, um, just felt so separated from her and, you know, abandoned by her, which eventually that happened. But um, I just didn't want them to feel that. And then, you know, now today, turn around at 59 years old and still you know dealing with that you know darkness there i don't want my kids to have to do all that you know and i know so you know and i don't like i'm not not mom's champion yeah like whatever but if you read about stuff all right i'm gonna take credit because maybe i did love you when you were a baby (laughs) you know but love came from somewhere. Yep, came from you know, somewhere. So people that like kill people and their lives are awful. But how did you have 
that love in you and that empathy in you. And how did I have that? With like nothing. So it's somewhere, somewhere it's there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because that, you, you don't like, you're not born with that. That is teached. Yeah. It really is. You know, yeah, I think so too. Like mom was an awful person. You know, but in my heart, and I hate her, you know, I really feel that she, like, loved you. And I don't think that, that you felt that love. Yeah, no, I I definitely didn't. You know, it, and I didn't either. You know, but um, that's part of the trauma. Yeah. But maybe since we don't remember it. Yeah that somehow that love that she could give us makes you the amazing person you are and the amazing father you are and the amazing grandfather you are. You know, we have to start stop diminishing like who we are and what we are. You know, because you know, we are worthy. Yeah. You know, and all these questions are great, but, you know, you these kids and these people listening aren't going to realize it till they're in their 40s and 50s like we have. Yeah. And if it's like, you know, for me is um, really trying to get you know, an, a, an understanding of what, you know, take away, you know, my anger for my mom, for mom, um, and understand what she was given by her mom and her dad and her dad, you know, was a drinker and died from it. And, um, so trying to understand what she was going through in her her battle, um, kind of relieving myself of that, kind of let me realize because then I, you know, went into my own uh, drug addiction and all of that. And once I was able to, you know, take a look at that and say, well, my drug addiction was born when because I was so with the trauma and the stuff that was going on in my brain and the psychiatrist they used to send into St. Bridget's and stuff to talk to me. And um, once I started using, um, that was really the first time in my life that I felt complete and I felt whole. I felt, okay, this is, it was my first attempt at self-medication, um, which by the way, uh, self-medicating never works. Because even when you do that, uh, yeah. it you know it's going to turn on you, and your whatever alcohol or drugs you're taking, they're just they're going to turn on you, and they're going to try to kill you, because that's what they're designed to do. Um, but in the beginning, it changed something in me, and it like oh boy, it filled. Yeah, it didn't fill a gap. It just took away all that anxiety and. Yes. You know, I was never bullied again and all yeah. of that stuff. It, it really changed everything. And then all of a sudden 
I'm like, oh my gosh, here I am. This thing is trying to kill me and destroy people around me. And um, so it's a double-edged sword. And then getting into recovery, you know, you start learning a lot about yourself. And then... Which is hard. Which is hard. And that's where we, yep. that's where the responsibility for us, you know, our own responsibility is to say, hey, what's going on with me? Why am I doing that? Reach out, get resources. There's so many resources like you and I, I mean, we're not doctors. We're not uh, clinical pits. social workers. We're not licensed. Well, here's the deal. There's a lot of really bad mental health therapists. Yep. Because I've done it. Yep. So yeah. you have, that's the one thing I've said is, you yeah. know, if there's, you don't get the first one. A lot of times you're just going to say, this is never going to work. It's not right. true. You try, you find another one. You take, take responsibility for you and say, you know what? I just got a bad one. Like I got a bad meal or a bad car or whatever. You got to go to the next one. And if you have to go to the next one and the next one till you find the one that fits. Um, right. So can I ask a question? Sure. So how do you feel about like mom now? Um, I don't. I don't how, how, do you, how did you feel about mom when she passed away? Two questions. I guess when she passed, I, I, I still felt very, um, you know, disconnected. Um, I really, I, I, I feel sorry for her. Um, I think that, you know, my time, you know, when I left Minnesota, you know, as a teenager and then came back and then, you know, left to Iowa and, you know, all those situations that happened with my kids and her being, her drinking up at the farm and all that. I, yep. um, there was such a separation there that, um, I mean, yeah, it was, it hurts to lose a parent. Um, but I just feel that, you know, I think she went to a better place and her suffering was over. Yeah. And then I was responsible for, to deal with, you know, what remains, you know, the consequences of her life and her addiction that she didn't do much about and her stuff. Um, it's like, um, you know, somebody so gave this me this. like so random, but did you come for the funeral? Did I what? Did you come for the funeral? Um, yeah, at Uncle Dick's. Uh, yeah, I went there. Yeah. And I, no. um, you know, it's like somebody. I'm sure. Somebody gave me this pile of sh Here's how I look at it. <laughs> I got this from Dave Goggins, a guy named Dave Goggins. Somebody gave me this pile of shit. And I have this whole pile of shit that somebody gave me. I didn't want it. I didn't want it. I didn't want this. I don't want to have this anxiety and depression and PTSD and borderline 
uh, bipolar. I didn't, I don't want that, but I have it. And so it's my job to fight against it, to battle against it. Um, you know, there were, um, you know, I went months sometimes without ever stepping outside the door of this house. Um, weeks where I would only come out of my room to go to the bathroom and right back in my room. And um, I didn't want that. And so, um, and I was still going to therapy and still um, medicating and, you know, having the doctors prescribe this and that and trying to go, you know, trying to find the right combination and stuff. Um, but eventually I got to the place where it was time to do something. And that's where, you know, this podcast was born to uh, reach out there and say, hey, here I am. Here's what it's here's what I'm trying to do. You're not alone. No, um, they're not alone. And there's millions of people. Yeah. You know, take on so much like guilt. You know, parents, brothers, you know, we we have no control of that, but you don't know that. And they're in the moment. Yep. You know, and uh sometimes, you know, self forgiveness is very hard. It is. You know, because you had to forgive yourself for, like, your stuff. And I'm not perfect. And so, you know, I have to forgive myself. You know, but finding self-love is very powerful. Yeah. And, you know, if you can edit this, just say, please, please don't let anybody have the power to diminish your soul yep. because you're worthy. You have a heart and whatever uh, your talent is, you don't even have to have a talent, gardening, reading, you know, walking your dog, sitting in the sunlight is beautiful. Sitting in the rain is beautiful. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, every single moment of every day, you can possess that. Right. And you know, and you think that like all of these people outside of you are important, but they don't make you worthy. You know, that's, you don't even have to make yourself worthy. You know, feel like a piece of shit. <laughs> But still go sit out in the sunshine. Still go sit out in the rain. Because So it's you know, the little things that you, um, I really need to look at. and Because there's always something that you can do uh, to give back um, to yourself, really. And um, you can, like, make that, that bad thing, that trauma or whatever, uh, asset. And we talked about it where um, it doesn't have to control you for the rest of your life because there's resources. There's a lot of people out there looking for the same thing you are looking for. Your traumas may be different, but in the end, the feelings are the same of inadequacy and 
fear and uh, scared. I, and here's my thing, though. I want like your listeners to know is there's no timeline to this, <laughs> and I think unfortunately people think we have the resources, we have counselors. Mm-hmm. So I'm in my teens. I'm in my 20s, I'm in my 30s, so it's not working, so I'll just kill myself. You know? Right. Me and you are in our 60s. Yep. You know, trauma is a process. So embrace it. Yep. You know, it's not a bad thing. You know, don't hurt yourself. You know, you think that it should all be good. They consider young because they consider us old. You know, but there's life, you know, and there's a lot of life and there's a lot of love, you know, so just take it day by day. Yep. Wake up tomorrow. Tomorrow might be a bad day. Tomorrow might be a good day, you know, so yep. who gives a fuck? You're fine. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you, I mean, if uh, some of the listeners out there are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, uh, and you're wondering, you know, why, what's happening to me? What's going on with me? It, that's okay. Just understand that there's a way to look at it, deal with it. You're processing it now. You're remembering it now. Yep. Right. Yep. It, you're right. There's no timeline on when it's going to show itself. And, you know, some folks out there will never have it. And that, what a blessing that is. But the ones that do, um, yeah. there's a way. If there you're... is a way. Yes, there's always hope. And number one, there's always love. Yep. There's love, you know, so just keep on to that. Yep. And listen to my brother, because he's amazing. <laughs> All right. So, sister, I think we're we're going to end it on that note. And okay. I really appreciate you. Great. Love you. And I love you, too. So I will talk to you very soon, okay? Bye. All right, sis. Bye-bye. Okay. So, again, I I just wanted to say that um, I am not a psychiatrist, a psychologist, a licensed uh, therapist. I'm not a doctor. Um, these views are really are my sister and mine own opinion and from our experience that we've had. Um, and we're uh, I'm just in a position to try to give back so you understand that uh, you are just definitely not alone. There's this podcast out there, whether it's this podcast or the hundreds of other ones out there that you're going to you'll be able to find. Um, you can find this podcast on a number of different platforms. Uh, you can find uh, me on Twitter. Um, it's O-U-R-C-H-T-T-O-1. Twitter like to shorten it up a little. Creating Hope Together is the whole idea. Um, there's a place here where you can leave comments. There's an email, O-U-R-C-H-T podcast at gmail.com. Uh, 
So search it. Uh, send your story. Send your victories. And uh, we're here for you. I love you all.